Welcome to season eight of the Disciple Makers podcast. My name is Dave Stovall and I'm your host. Today you're going to be listening to another clip taken from the Exponential Conference of 2020, where we got to set up and share what we're about and what we do. Today's clip is amazing. I just want to say that from the beginning. It's from one of our partners, Shadonke Johnson. And if you're at all familiar with what we do at discipleship.org, you know that name well enough. And if you don't know, Shadonke Johnson is involved in an incredible disciple-making movement that is happening in Sierra Leone right now. So he shares some amazing things in this speech you're about to hear. And just as a disclaimer before we dive in, the audio taken from this conference is a little weird, so I've done my best to clean it up so that you can enjoy it. So please, I'm just asking for grace on your part on the audio quality that you would look past it and really listen to what these guys are sharing because it is amazing stuff. So here we go, Shadonke Johnson from Exponential 2020. Because I come from Africa and especially from West Africa, we will not start talking without greeting people. So I want to say, how are you doing? In Creole, we say, how the body? And you will tell me the body fine. How the body? The body fine. All right. That is the way we greet in Sierra Leone especially. I want to thank God for this wonderful opportunity to always share what God is doing. What I'm sharing today, what we'll be talking about this few days is all about him and what he is doing. Um, when we believe God and we step out in faith with him, God helps us to see the impossible and we also are involved in doing the impossible. When we step out in faith with him, we see the impossible and with him we do the impossible. And so what I'm going to share here these few days it's really about him, and we are just walking in obedience with God in what God is doing. Today I will be talking about the place of fasting and prayer in disciple-making movements, or seeing disciples being multiplied in a church, or creating a disciple-making culture. If we are going to see a discipleship-making culture, if we want to see a discipleship-making movement happen, one of the key things that is very important is a place of prayer and a place of fasting. You know, I, I know definitely a lot of us have heard about prayer. A lot of us, there are so many books written about prayer. So many books may be written about fasting. And most of us, we talk the language of prayer. We say, we'll pray for you. Or we've had people say, we'll pray. But it's a different thing to be involved in prayer and fasting and making prayer and fasting the culture of the church. It's very different. When you talk about it, and when it becomes a culture of the church, if we are going to see a movement happen, a disciple-making movement, or if we are going to see a culture, a disciple-making culture happen, where disciples make disciples, where it becomes a normal thing of the lifestyle of the followers of King Jesus, then fasting and prayer is very critical. It's very important. And the reason why I say that is because we realize that Jesus himself did not start his ministry until he has fasted and prayed. We read Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 2. The Bible makes it very clear that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted 
by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end, he was hungry. So Jesus, before he started his ministry, for 40 days and 40 nights, he was fasting. We see that also in Luke Gospel, in Luke chapter 2, verse 37. We see it also in Luke. That he fasted and he prayed. We have references in the book of Matthew, where Jesus said, when you pray, he did not say, if you pray. When he was talking about his disciples, that this is the kind of thing you have to do as you pray and fast. He did not say, if you, he said, when you. So he expected his disciples to do it. And what is also fascinating is that the disciples of Jesus did not ask Jesus about anything. His disciples asked him, Master, teach us how to pray. When they saw the life of Jesus, they really did not come to him and say, teach us the 21 principles of, uh, of prosperity. They did not ask Jesus, teach us the seven principles of good leadership. They looked at his life and they asked him, Master, teach us how to pray. So that means when they looked at the life of Jesus, they saw something very important and they saw a praying life. Time will not allow me to to tell you in this forum. There are so many references saying that Jesus went out to pray. It was his daily habit. He went out to pray very early in the morning. And every miracle that Jesus did, that miracle, before he did it, he prayed. And then he did the miracle. So my question is, if what John tells us in John chapter 1, when you go back to John chapter 1, where you read from verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. If the word was God, and that word, theologically, we all believe that the word is Jesus, why did the word need to pray and fast so much? Why? That was a question that took me out in a retreat. If Jesus is the word, as John tells us, why did the word, the Bible says, you know, that the word became flesh and dwell among men. And once the word was flesh, he prayed so much that if you notice the lifestyle of Jesus, I call him the praying Jesus. For everything he did, he prayed. In fact, he prayed so much that even on the cross, his first word on the cross was prayer. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. His last word on the cross was prayer. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And he said about the church, my house shall be called a house of prayer. If Jesus said all of this, then that tells us that prayer is crucial. Prayer is important. Prayer and fasting is critical for us to see a church that multiplies, making disciples that make disciples, that have a disciple discipleship culture that is involved in a discipleship-making movement. Prayer is important. But we have to start small. If you have not done it before, I will not encourage you to just go and jump in the middle of the ocean. Even though there are times it's the best time to teach people how to pray or how to do something. 
while they are right in the middle. For us, we have, in the movement, we have what we call our our prayer and fasting paths. P-A-C-H. Our prayer and fasting paths. And what do we do? It has become the culture of the church, the culture of the movement, and every disciple that we fast once a week. It's a whole day of fasting. All we do once a week, we go to God, praying and fasting without food and water. That's how we do our own fasting. I will explain about that. We fast without food and water once a week. The entire movement, people are praying. We are asking God, you know, for God to, to move within the movement. But not only that, the first three days of every month, we spend time in prayer and fasting. The first three days of every month. As I speak to you right now, there are people out there fasting and praying. The first three days, every day, we pray and fast. But also, every month, we have a half-night prayer, which starts from 8 to 12 midnight. 8 p.m. to 12 midnight. People are fasting and praying. Once every month also, we have a whole night prayer where we start to pray from 10 p.m. to 6 in the morning. 10 p.m. to 6. We call it a whole night prayer. We also have a 21 days of fasting that we do every January or February. In 21 days, all we do throughout the movement is to pray and fast. We also have the three last days of every year where we fast for three days without food and water. We seek the face of God. We also have what we call victory weekends that we go out and we pray and fast. Different groups. When people come, especially from our cousins, which means the Muslims, when they get saved from that background because our general, our focus is really reaching out to them. Most times they come with a lot of baggages. And so we spend time in these weekends in different places fasting and praying with them and breaking the things that they bring along. All of this we do. And what? why do we pray so much and we fast so much? Because we know that we are coming against the forces of darkness. We are very clear of that. When Jesus fasted, the Bible says he was led into the, in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. And we also know, Paul makes it very clear to us in Ephesians chapter 6. He makes it very clear to us. He told us, reading from verse 10, to put on the whole armor of God that we'll be able to stand against the tricks of the enemy or the words of the enemy and have it done all to stand. And he made it very clear to us that we are fighting not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness in higher places, authorities. So if we are coming against all of this, and if the church should be called a house of prayer, then one of the things that should be evident and clearly seen in the church is the power of prayer and fasting. And what do we pray for? What do we fast for? One of the things we pray for, we ask God 
That God will touch the hearts of the people that are not saved. That he will touch their hearts so that they will come unto him. Because if God is not drawing them, they are not coming. He has to draw them. And so we ask God, God, touch hearts. Touch the hearts of the gatekeepers in the villages, in the cities, in nations where we have these gatekeepers, these people, our cousins. We ask God to touch their hearts. We also ask God to open doors. God, open doors. Give us an opportunity that doors will be open. That we will go in and bring this good news. Because when the Lord opens the door, nobody closes it. But when he closes the door, nobody opens. And so we ask him to open the door for us. We also ask God to send the laborers for the work. He said to his disciples in John 4, he said, Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth the laborers into the field. God is the best one to choose laborers. Many times when we choose laborers, we have our own mindset, we have our metrics. That we have been taught in school, that we have read in books, that we are going to use to choose leaders. But he is a searcher of heart and he knows everything. He's a God who knows everything. He will choose the most unlikely people that will do his work very well. If I was on the panel choosing leaders, I would not choose Peter. If I was on the panel choosing leaders to be my disciples, honestly, I would not choose Thomas. If I was on the panel choosing leaders, I would not choose a person like Saul that became poor. But the God that sees, knows. He knows the heart of men. He sees the end before the beginning and the beginning before the end. He knows every heart. Even Simon the prophet, when he was asked to go and pray for Saul, this, this is what I believe he said to God. God, are you the only one in town that really don't know about Saul? God, are you the only one? The story is all over town that this man is killing believers. And you are asking me to go to him and pray for him so that he will kill me? Is that what you are saying, God? But God said, you go. Because I have a chosen this man and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And look at what God did with Saul. Look at what he did with Peter, the man that denied him. So we pray that the Lord will choose the laborers. We also pray for his protection. As the people go, we go to very dangerous places. Highly dangerous places. Places that we know that if you go, you'll be killed. Tribes that we know. We also target the African traditional religionists. Some of them can be very violent. They are protective of their spiritual thing that they have had from traditions. But we ask God to protect the work. We also ask God for the provision for the work. Because he made it very clear. In Hebrews 11, he makes it very clear in verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he is and is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we step out in faith, believe God for the resources for this work. He said the cattle on the 10,000 hills belongs to me. The gold and the diamond belongs to me. And therefore we ask him for the provision for the work. And we ask God that God will create a culture 
a disciple-making culture in the hearts of people. He will create the culture. And so, these are some of the things we pray for. We also pray for other partners that are involved in this process. Churches and partners that are involved in this process. We pray that the Lord will do the same that he's doing for us, that he will do in other ministries and create more movements around the world. Because we know that it is not about us, it's about him. And we normally say all the glory, we will not touch the glory of God. All the glory belongs to him and all the honor belongs to our God. And by doing this, we have seen God move. We have seen him move in small things. We have seen him move in big things. I know villages, I know cities, I know countries and areas, tribes, where there have been no Jesus option. We call it the Jesus option. Some of them for 50 years, some of them for 60 years, some of them for 100 years, no Jesus option. Some of them had had Jesus option before. There have been missionaries working among them for 50 years with less than 100 believers. But we have prayed for these communities. We have sent intercessors who pray in those. They will go in as business people. Nobody knows they are there. They go in as business people and they begin to pray in the strategic areas in those towns, in those cities. And we rename the villages. We rename the towns. We rename the areas. Who will pray maybe for areas like this? We say, God, this shall be a town of salvation. This street shall be called a street of redemption. And when we have done enough prayer, what we call abundant prayer, when we have prayed abundant prayer, now we can send in the church planters to go. I want to take a quick break and tell you about something cool happening over at discipleship.org. It's our discipleship.org collective. It's an online community for disciples and disciple makers. And if you fit in either one of those categories, then the collective is designed just for you. The website itself is super cool because it's basically like stepping into a virtual church building with a welcome center an auditorium for our main events and even classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective with all of its webinars, seminars, ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you personally or for your whole church. And this is a community, so you can also have the opportunity to connect with other disciple makers. And while membership is free, there's also a premium access option, which includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So head on over to discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for your free membership today. The other thing we really pray for is a person of peace, which I'll be talking about later. We pray God reveal the presence of peace. Families of peace as we go to these communities, to these towns, to these nations, to these villages. I will tell you, I have seen God move in communities. I have seen the most unlikely people, people who have persecuted the church for many years. I have seen them become persons of peace. I have seen them be the people who open the door and hear the story. And I have seen them champion the cause of Jesus. I will tell you these stories. I will tell you a story of a guy 
who he was the the Muslim they have what they call the Muslim Youth League. These young guys are so dangerous that even the older folks, they are fanatics, they are on fire for their religion. I still remember this guy, they wrote me all type of letters. All of the letters they were writing me. You are the one who says Jesus is the only way. Then we want you to know that you are going to die because of this. All type of letters I received. Anytime I receive those letters, I will take it to my prayer room. And I'll present the case before God and lay the letters before God. I say, God, I'm convinced that you called me to do this. I cannot protect myself. I'm not going to walk around with bodyguards. You are my bodyguard for life. But Lord, I'm also praying that those that are writing this letter, that you will go ahead of me and touch their hearts. And expose them to your story, to your word. God, I pray that you will touch them in your dreams. Appear to them in your dreams. God, appear to them, God, in any area, any form, by sending friends to them. And this guy was one of the guys that hated me so much. He hated me that one day, this guy, they wrote a letter to the council of the, the regional, what we call, you call your governors, our regional minister. And they said, I am converting our cousins. That the cousins are being converted and I'm responsible for that. And they are writing to the governor so that he can stop me. If not, they are going to stop me physically. That means they are going to kill me. Well, I was invited to a big meeting, a hall like this. When I got into that hall, our cousins were seated. You can see on their faces that they were unhappy with me. So when I greeted, nobody answered me. And in Africa, if you greet people and they don't answer you, that means there's serious trouble. I got in there and I sat down. And all of a sudden, when the regional minister came, he read my indictment. This is what they have said about you. And he said, do you have anything to say? I said, of course, I have something to say. And I stood up. And in a loving way, I, to, I, I referred to them as the elders. I told them that God has created them and made them for a time like this. That we know about God and hear about what God is doing. And I narrated what God is doing in communities. How we are showing love to people who are sick. We are showing love to dying people. And we pray for them. And we are giving them words in their villages. We are going to their villages and we are serving them. And out of that, they ask us, who are you? You are different. And we tell them who we are. We simply tell them we are followers of Jesus Christ, of Isa Masir. That is who we are. And they said, how can we be like this man? Because you are different. And we simply tell them, this is what he did. If you want to be a follower, this is just what you need. And we have seen them respond. That's all we do. And fortunately, there was another guy who was a deputy seated on the high table with this regional minister, he put up his hands. He said, my village is an example. In my village, we are walking miles to get drinking water. These people gave us drinking water. He said, they gave us a school. He said, today, half of my village, they are now following Jesus. And then the resident minister said, is this the reason why you brought this man here? This man is serving his God. You go and do the same thing that he's doing. I don't think this man has done anything wrong. 
you go and do the same thing. And then he turned to me, he said, please sir, can you pray for us? I said, yes. And I prayed for all of them. That day, a few days after, this young man that was persecuting the church had a dream. And his dream, Jesus appeared to him. And Jesus told him to follow him. And that was how for three times he was getting the same dream. And then he did not know any other person that was a strong follower of Jesus. He only knew me. And that's how he called me and said, I want to talk to you. Well, in my mind, I was thinking that maybe he's going to harm me. But when we sat down to talk, he said, I've been getting this dream. He said, I've never seen the picture of Jesus. But the man introduced himself in the dream as Jesus. He said, I should follow him. That's why, what is that dream? What is that all about? I said, well, I don't know what it's all about. All I know that maybe he wants your attention. So think about it. After another week, he got saved. He became a follower of Jesus. He was baptized. And when he got saved, his in-laws came and took his wife and his family away from him. They said, we gave our daughter to be married. We did not give our daughter to be married to an infidel. Now that you've become an infidel, we have a right to take our daughter and our children away. And when they took his wife and his children away, I asked him, what are you going to do? He said, I'm not going to go back. I've just discovered the truth and the light. I'm not going to go back. After some months, they brought back the family. But today, he is going from place to place, sharing the same good news. But not only that, as I speak to you today, he's a member of parliament and the government in Sierra Leone. And God is using him mightily. There are communities where we went to, where the people have vowed in their lives that they will never have anything to do with the Jesus option. One of those communities, in fact, they have this story, this adage among them, that if you become a follower of Jesus, you will not live to see the sunlight when you become a follower of Jesus. Well, we went to this community. We started with a school. They needed a school very badly. We started a school, and gradually every kid in that school started to speak English, write English. And our guys, every one of our teachers, I want you to know, every teacher is first a church planter and a disciple maker and then a teacher. Everyone who is a medical practitioner is first a disciple maker, a church planter, and then a medical practitioner. And so we send teachers to these communities. Not only, they are not only teachers, but they are trained disciple makers, trained church planters. They stay in the community. And after a few weeks and few months in this community, they are gradually they are living an exemplary life before the kids. And they also begin to teach the kids some memory verses. One day, the chief, these people carry a lot of authority. The chief of this tribe sent to call me. He told one of my teachers, he said, I want to see your leader. So I went there. I was thinking, what's wrong? I was asking the teachers, what have you done wrong? They said, we don't know. He just wants to see you. So we went to this village. It was in a festive mood. I said, well, this is not trouble. Because if it's in a festive mood, something different is happening. The summary is that we got to this big hall. And then the chief stood up. And the chief said, since you people started this school here, we've been watching the teachers you brought here. 
their life is different. But their influence on our kids has helped our children to be very different. The way they behave at home, their lifestyle is different. And so as a chief, I am, I invited you because I'm standing here to do, to tell you that many years ago, our leaders said anybody that becomes a follower of Jesus will not live to see the sunlight. But today I am here to tell you as a chief, I'm standing to tell you that anybody wants to become a follower of Jesus is free to become a follower of Jesus and nobody will no longer hurt you. So you are free. As I speak to you today, we planted more than 16 churches among that tribe. They are following Jesus. But it started from the place of prayer and fasting. We prayed for this community. We fasted. We brought the names of all their leaders to God. All the authorities. We presented their names to God. Who we are fasting and praying and asking God, go ahead of us. And God touched this community. And every time will not allow me to tell you stories about villages and towns and cities and nations. How God has gone ahead of us as we pray and fast and has taught those hearts. And towns and villages that we have before, 100% who are followers, who are our cousin. Today, some of them, half of the village are followers of Jesus. Some of them, 60% has become followers of Jesus. And even those who are gatekeepers have become the followers of Jesus. It is not us. It's him. It's all about him. As I end, I will tell you one thing that happened in the village. Where, you know, in 50% of them became followers of Jesus. And now our cousins said to them, we have only one cemetery here. And that cemetery was only meant for those who practice being cousins. Now that you have moved on the other side, we will not bury you any longer in our cemetery. Well, the people came to me and said, what are we going to do? So we went to the chief. I took like $5 and I gave to the chief, which is traditional in our setting. I said, please, chief, these people are now followers of Isa Masia, which is Jesus. Can you please give us a place to bury our own dead? And he gave us acres of land. And I told them the problem is solved. If it's for burial, this will not stop you from going to Jesus. You have your own place of burial now. God has done this miracle from community to community. I will end by saying, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible because the God that we serve is the impossibility specialist. He's the only one who specializes in possibility. Through prayer and fasting, we can break every yoke. We can break even the hardest resistance when we sincerely pray and fast and leave the honor and glory to God. Thank you very much. was Shidanke Johnson taken from the Exponential Conference of 2020. Man, if that didn't convict your heart, if that didn't stir your emotions in some way, I'm not sure what will. That was incredible stuff from Shidanke. In fact, every time that he speaks, that's exactly what happens. The Lord uses him in mighty ways. And just to hear him talk about prayer and fasting, about how much he and his people pray and fast before they even do anything is incredible and convicting and inspiring all at the same time. So I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode as much as I did. Just as a reminder, November 4th and 5th coming up in 2021, we are hosting a national disciple making forum in Nashville at Brentwood Baptist Church. And I want to invite you to go to discipleship.org 
and go ahead and purchase your tickets. We're going to have amazing speakers and we're going to have some awesome worship, if I say so myself, meaning I'm going to be the one leading you guys in worship and I can't wait to do that this year. So go to our website and buy your tickets now and I hope to see you guys there. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I'll see you next time.